What's up, you guys? We're so happy you're here to listen to us today. This is Leah and Brittany. You know the vibes. This is a mindful podcast. We got a little bit of humor and gossip thrown in here, and we are so excited for you to listen to this episode today. the vibes. We like to just be super real on this show. And we have such a fun guest today whose name is also Leah. Her initials are also LC or her middle initials LC. So that's really fun. We have Leah. Is it Elson is how you pronounce it? Just Elson is fine. But I sound really exotic when you pronounce it that way. So let's let it run. Leah Elson. Elson. <laughs> Very like Oxford, like Elson. <laughs> well, Leah and I are both sitting in our closets to record. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the best spot for my Wi-Fi besides sitting in the living room, but then the dogs get too loud. And the other Leah is also in her closet because her dogs get really loud. So <laughs> that's what we were discussing before. You guys know that my closet is really, really organized, color coordinated. We're coordinated by by crop by sleeve length we have Whoa. it together over here leah and Brittany, they're on the opposite side of the spectrum but that's okay that's okay yep i'm like a reach in the pile with your hands closed haphazardly and whatever <laughs> shirt comes out that's halfway not wrinkled that's what you've got girl <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if your it's too wrinkled chunk it in the dryer the dry yeah ex- or do the like <laughs> wet it down and then kind of tug at it off <laughs> yes <and be> like- <laughs> I've seen it in the yes. commercials. Why won't it work with water? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Leah, we are so excited to have you on the show today. I'm, I'm going to give excited a- to be here. I'll tell you that. Hell yeah. We were actually, Brittany and I were both shocked when we saw how quickly you were able to interview with us. And I'm going to tell the, the listeners why we were shocked that you were able to get with us quickly. <laughs> so you guys, and Leah, you're, we're, we're going to, we're going to let you talk, but first we're going to give my introduction of who you are to me. <laughs> I wow. like to tell people stories and then I let them, uh, you know, correct me. I love so. it. I can't wait to hear. I, you know, that's always something that I think people don't get the luxury of knowing is like, what are, what is, the, what is the, what people think that everyone else has, the public has on you, you know, because yeah. I know me and who I am and I'm always fascinated to hear. Yeah, definitely. So Leah here, um, I, we all met Leah virtually through a mutual friend, Christina, who you guys have heard me talk about her a little bit on here. We're going to eventually have her on the show as well. But Leah and Christina met because they did the Titan Games combine for the show, the Titan Games. And they ended up hitting it off and becoming really good friends. So then Christina was like, hey, you guys need to meet my friend Leah. She's really cool. Leaving out until later, leaving out the fact that Leah is not just really cool. Leah is also really really goddamn smart. Okay. She's been to a few Ivy league schools. She is a scientist. She's a research scientist. I know when we met Leah that you were in oncology, but I also know for the last year you have been largely studying and helping out with a lot of the COVID information, which is, or, or you at least know about it. I don't know if you've necessarily been helping so we can let you talk about that, but I know that you've been you know about how the whole virus worked, how, why the whole pandemic even became a pandemic and all of that. And Leah has been our teacher for the last year um, with all of these things. But what's cooler than that, like way cooler than her having like these degrees 
and you know, just like knowing stuff and researching stuff. My favorite part is her 60 seconds of science. And we're going to dive into that because she's got really cool shit happening with that. But to preface what it is, is 60 seconds of science information that Leah puts on her Instagram. She doesn't edit anything. She does it all in one take. And it's really fucking cool, you guys. And I share it with everyone all the time. And she lets you submit things that you want her to talk about, which is also amazing. And that's why we wanted to have Leah on here because she's just done all of the things. And it's hard to believe that you're only a couple years older than me because I swear you've accomplished so much more than enough for just a mid 30 year old. So welcome. <laughs> I hope you liked that that introduction. Well, I mean, and what an illustrious introduction it was. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, uh, accurate. I, I have been involved in oncology research. I have a 12 year history as a researching scientist. And um, that spans everything from lower limb adult joint reconstruction and research in like novel technology like robotics and sensors associated with that. I spent a lot of time in startup biotech, which um, in another podcast, they ended up titling it after this, but I said it's cowboy shit, and it absolutely is cowboy <laughs> shit. It's like on the forefront, doing crazy things for the sake of having a budget and researching into crazy things, which is uh, amazing. And then I found myself in oncology, and that's where I've been for the last, um, I guess, two and a half years now. And um, <clears throat> I'm still doing oncology now. I actually am the team lead for investigator-initiated research at the cancer center that I'm employed by. And uh, mm. I lead a bunch of brand new MDs. That, that's like my squad, my team, and uh, the other MDs. And I, I help consult on study design. I do biostatistics, things like that. And, um, you know, we try to make cool stuff happen in the world of onc. But Oncology is actually super important in light of the COVID pandemic because certain cancers make your blood very prone to clotting. And we've also found that COVID-19 as a virus is doing the same thing. So we're finding that not only are patients who are like undergoing chemo and who are a little bit immunocompromised, right, you would expect for them to be um, kind of prone to getting COVID and, and an at-risk population. But we're also finding that they're, they're now an at-risk population for potential stroke and things like that, just because of this combined clotting issue with COVID and cancer. So <clears throat> a lot of my COVID research, or at least reviews, have been in that vein of, of the, the at-risk oncology patient population and COVID. And um, right now I'm working on a study wherein we are uh, collecting a bunch of patients that have hematologic cancer. So leukemias, myelomas, lymphomas, things like that. And um, we're looking at like, what are the risk factors that lead to either them being hospitalized and on a respirator or, um, you know, potentially, unfortunately, in many cases, they, they end up dying prematurely when they get COVID. Um, so I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, no, oh, it's just COVID, it's just a virus. But, you know, having being in a, in a, in a hospital every day in a research environment wherein, you know, the inpatient facility is just like a short walk down the hall for me, you know, I can tell you that the mortality rate is real. Um, and there are certain risk factors where, where people are prone to clotting and, and things like that. And um, obviously, immunocompromised patients are hugely at risk. So, um, so it's been interesting, you know, to kind of, uh, to be on that side and be a lot busier and, and now having to put on that virology hat in yeah. addition to oncology and and um, and bringing all of that together, and we've we've been working with the cards people, um, cardiology. For those of you who don't know what cards is, speaking, <laughs> I did not know. Yeah, it was. medical lingo. I'm like, oh yeah, cards, bro. Like, I was like, tarot cards. Yeah, tarot. Cards. <laughs> Whip it out. What is the? Oh, I wish I knew. 
now you got me stumped. Like this is where my knowledge base stops. I was I was gonna try to like be cool and be like, oh yeah, whip that queen card out, but I don't even know that's a queen. Card. <laughs> <laughs> I like, that's yeah. great. Oh my god, yeah, Joker card. It's no big deal. <laughs> oh, I love that. That is so interesting to me, Leah. And something that I've never actually asked you is so if you're you're in oncology, you work in a hospital, you largely are researching medical. So when you were in school, did you take any type of medical classes or did you only take science classes and it's just now crossed over because of your career path? So it's kind of a little of column A, a little of column B. I actually finished a year of med school, uh, did quite well. And um, my dad, he is a cancer survivor and it's something he's still kind of battling with. And I ended up kind of taking a step back from med school and monitoring his health when things started getting like a little touch and go. And, you know, when I got, that's kind of when I went into oncology, I was like, okay, like I, I need to work now that I'm not full-time in med school. You know, I love it. And research is something that I did long before I, I started that, that year of med school. And um, when I interviewed Every single, every single medical school interviewer, not a joke, would look at my resume and they would say, you have more publications than our faculty. Why are you going into medicine? Why aren't you doing research? Wow. Like, this is what you're good at. And I was like, you know, you're young and like you think you have that kind of trajectory in mind. And you're like, I was like, well, you know, like I want to help people. And I do. But I think my goal was always make the maximum impact possible and really kind of going in and doing like a little cursory, little like Tinder swipe during med school, like a little boop in and out, (laughs) like just a little quick, you know, rundown. Um, So I actually had mentors come and counsel me and, you know, they're like, if you're looking to kind of do the max effort, you know, medicine may not be for you. And I actually had a couple of surgical mentors say like, you know, I I don't know that you want to go this route, maybe try upstream medicine, because in that capacity, if I can develop something or invent something or be a part of a research project that, you know, is innovative enough that we can potentially save hundreds of thousands of lives, that's maximal impact. And I really like research. I'm really good at it. And I've had tremendous opportunities as a research scientist through the course of my career that it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, now that I'm a little bit older and I'm in like a serious relationship, like taking call at 3 a.m. sounds horrible now. And like residency yeah. sounds horrible. I'm like, there's nothing in research that can't wait till 9 a.m. the next day. You know what I mean? So uh, a lot yeah. of people life balance as well, which I'm I'm learning to embrace. But uh, yeah, so so I'm now kind of a committed full-time scientist and I, I love it. I don't regret it. It's one of those things where that's a hard pivot. Like all the years of going through medical prereq training and things. And this now reminds me of what you asked, which was, you know, what's my background educationally? So I have a master's in biotechnology. That's a lot of very hard graduate-based science. I have a master's in biostatistics and epidemiology. And then eventually the goal is to get the terminal PhD in uh, like applied bioscience, biomedical sciences and translational research. So just, uh, it's what I do anyway, but it's like, you gotta be official. You gotta be official with it. You gotta look good on paper. Yeah, for sure. So for our listeners, both Leah's are Enneagram threes. So they're the hard workers of the Enneagram in general. And I, I always, you're not, are you a doctor? No, every, everybody okay. was just calling me Dr. Leah because I was in medical school. I at the call time. you Dr. Leah. Right. <laughs> we I got all you call. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we all are in a group chat with a few other girls and we always refer to Leah as Dr. Leah, which I actually knew that you weren't a doctor and that you don't have a PhD because I Googled you because I wanted to know what school you went to. <laughs> 
And then I was like, is she a doctor? And I'm like, no, she's not a doctor. She's actually a scientist, but we'll just like fucking call her doctor because she's smarter than all of us. So eventually (laughs) I'll have that that upstream PhD. And I guess technically, but I don't know. I always felt weird about even like, you know, you have to go in the room, you know, when I was in uh, first year of medical school, we went on rounds and we saw real patients and you have to go in and say like, hi, my name's student Dr. Elson. And I'm like, oh, I feel like uh, a tool. <laughs> student doctor. Oh, Love gosh. it though. <laughs> yeah. So what, so why don't you tell the listeners just because it is really fucking cool, what schools you went to? Sure. So, that? uh, first of all, listeners, I have a lot of debt. You should just know that. <laughs> <laughs> The debt is extraordinary. Um, so I began my career, you know, in college um, because I was, I have been always paying my own way through. So I started, uh, you know, pretty humble. I went to San Diego State. I'm, I'm a San Diego girl, and um, that's before I knew I wanted to kind of break into science and medicine and things. And you know, when you're kind of exploring what you want to do, the best option is just to go to a party school. You know, top ten party school. Why not? <laughs> So um, I got into several really, really good schools, uh, you know, out of high school, but I was like, oh, that tab is crazy and I'm paying for this. So I went to San Diego State. It was right down the street. And um, so I got uh, my bachelor's from there. And and when I was late in that career, I I didn't, you know, at the very end, I was like, you know, I think I want to, I think I want to do medicine. You know, I had this full, when my dad got cancer and got diagnosed, I had this like full kind of spiritual reassessment of where the trajectory of my life was headed. And um, fun fact is that I was actually sports casting when I was in undergrad. So a lot of people are like, oh, where does 60 seconds of science come from? And the rapid talking, I think a lot of that is, is, is coming from that like literally live field side, I worked for the um, an NFL developmental league called the Patty LaBelle League. And I also uh, was working for the arena football team in San Diego, the San Diego Shockwave. And um, that is so sick. I need people to know that Brittany and I are smiling ear to ear because that is just (laughs) such a cool like thing that you did. Like how cool is that? It was real weird. And it's now served you later in your life without ever knowing that that would be something like a skill that would come in handy. Absolutely. And that's kind of where, you know, I never, I was always a ham in front of the camera. And I think that's why it was kind of a natural transition to do that because I was an athlete in college. And then I was like, "Ah," you know, like I can talk in front of a camera and it's actually very difficult because you have a production manager in your ear talking simultaneously while you're speaking live to camera. So it's very oh difficult. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're like, okay, Leah, you need, you, uh, we need to ask the player this, you know, and you like look up and you're, you're trying to do all these different things and your brain is like rewiring. And um, for whatever reason, I was able to kind of get it done really easily. So it, it was an easy transition and I like that started firing off. Um, and then uh, right around the time I get that got diagnosed, I was actually reached out to by some people at the NFL network and they were like we'd love to we've seen your tapes we'd love to have you talk to us a little bit more about you know your career and I was like oh this should be everything that I've ever wanted but I'm really not excited why is that maybe I should do something you're calling wasn't my calling um, so then I, you know, my dad got sick and whatever. And I, I've always been a science geek. I was like a dork in school, like headgear and the whole nine yards. I had fossils. I'd be like, guys, look at this rock. <laughs> <laughs> that was me a hundred percent. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I retapped into that, like that passion, that love of mine of science. And, um, then I ended up going to Harvard because I was like, 
I, if I want to go to med school, I have to take all these classes. I have to take physics and biochem and biology and organic chemistry and general chemistry. And, um, and to do that, you know, like I, I had already just about graduated. I was like, all right, well, let me just get this non-traditional degree. And so I went and I did all of my pre-medical sciences at Harvard. Um, and I always joke to this day, like I went on that campus and it was very much like you would expect. There was like sweaters on shoulders and there was like the old money. You could like smell some of the old yeah. money. And everybody looked at me like, who's this girl? And I was like, oh, no, no, they have a quota. Like they have to select one like douchebag surfer from the West Coast every year, <laughs> to, like fulfill their allotted right. requirements in the class. Right, um, right. But I loved it. The fun thing about Harvard is that it was by and large the most supportive student body I've ever been a part of. You would think Harvard's like really cutthroat and like, oh, everybody's trying to like edge yeah. in. But everybody was so cool. Like, you know, we had some devastating okay. like, courses, as you might imagine. And, um, and you know, we would stay there until like the deadline of something being due, like an organic chemistry assignment. And we'd all be sitting outside the boxes where you turn it in, like these old wooden boxes. And we'd be like, what'd you get for number two? Oh, that's so different than what I got. Why did you get that? And we would just I'd be out there kind of troubleshooting each other's homework to maximize our that's scores fun. overall. It was great. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, because I, I had that non-traditional kind of sports casting background, I did well at Harvard. And I was like, you know, everybody in med school is going to have a leg up on me because they're biology majors, they're chemistry majors, so that I don't feel like I'm missing some kind of curriculum, even though it's not required. You can be any major you want going into medical school, any major. You can major in underwater basket weaving as long as you take the entrance exam and you take all the required oh. prerequisites. Yeah. You don't have to be right. a traditional major. Yeah. If you take... But it's easier if you're a bio or a chem major because you have to take right. two semesters of physics, two one semester of biochem, two semesters of orgo. So it ends up being enough to almost contribute to a full degree. So right. okay, okay. I went the long route. I did the non-traditional thing and then was quirky and then was like, sure, I'll spend another two and a half years doing something I should have just done. As an <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. And then I was like, you know what? I want a bit more. Uh, and at the time at Harvard, I was also uh, working full time because I obviously had to pay my way. So I started research at Massachusetts General Hospital in orthopedics and um, was doing that full time and being at Harvard and I was not sleeping. And that started now what is my lifelong trend of just not sleeping. Um, mm. And uh, and so I applied to a bunch of master's programs and I found this one at Johns Hopkins, uh, master's in science and biotech. And that was a program made for career scientists. It was like, you want to run DNA analysis. This is the equipment. This is how you use it. This is what you run. You want to do, you know, you want to figure out like how to work on stem cell research. This is it. And so I took courses anywhere from cancer biology to like really advanced molecular cell biology. And that really gave me a solid, solid foundation. Um, and then from there, I had been working my capacity as a researcher, as a biostatistician, kind of learning on the job as I went from other biostatisticians that actually had PhDs in it. And I was like, yeah, I can learn like these analyses here and there. And then I was like, you know what? Like if I'm going to be practicing it and I may as well just have it as a degree. So I um, finished that degree at USC's Keck School of Medicine in Southern California. That's um, that is the biostats and epidemiology degree. Um, so it's been fun to like have a fresh epidemiology focus during a pandemic I'm like oh you know like totally. you get all this kind of background on like epicenters and like how things spread and and so that's been interesting but um yeah so I've kind of gone through the gamut and I've, I've been a career student now for probably 80,000 80, percent beyond 100 percent of my life I was <laughs> I swear to God I was a student in the womb I don't remember a time not being a student and working <laughs> unbelievable that is that is so wild to me um you know Oh, no. You and I have gone complete opposite paths. So to speak to someone who has literally never not been in school 
is really cool because you are the type of person that higher education was made for. You are the type of person that just truly loves it and you appreciate it and you'll go into debt to be there. And it's cool. And you're actually doing shit with it. Like you're not one of these people's like, oh, yeah, I got a double master's, but I don't use them. When people say that to me, I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you don't use it? All that money and all that time and you're not using it. But you do. <laughs> and it's very cool to me. And I love hearing you talk about it. And I want to change that a little bit, but it's still school-based. Um, and just come back to you being a collegiate athlete. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> I've been... I was this weird hybrid, like I was an uber dork, right? Like I, and I make the joke on one of my captions in a picture somewhere. Um, but it's like a hundred percent. I'm like, <laughs> like high key, low key, honest to God, serious <clears throat> is that I had like more to scale replica dinosaur models than I did friends growing up. You know what I mean? Like this is like the level of dork that we're dealing with. Right. But um, I was also just like always super athletic like as a kid like I was always strong and I was always fast and um you know I have like a lineage where my dad played football in college and like his dad boxed and you know all this kind of stuff so I came from good stock you know what I mean yeah um, <laughs> but I you know I was a varsity athlete in high school while I was taking college courses and like all you know so I was this weird duality of being like a really weird nerd that everyone's like what why this is a weird girl but also like a varsity athlete so I had this strange duality um, and when I went into college, you know, I um, was supposed to play volleyball because I'd been playing volleyball and swimming, like kind of throughout the course of everything. I was in track for a little while as well. And then uh, kind of got burnt out on volleyball because I was doing the club varsity thing year after year. And it was just oh, year yeah. round. And Never I just got, ending. Oh, I just got blown out. So uh, when I went in, into college, I um, I was like, yeah, I don't want to play volleyball. Sorry, coach. And then I kind of had a weird season where I was like, boo, what do you do with your time when you're not an athlete? And um, I walked by the lacrosse fields and I saw them playing and I was like, that looks so fun, so different, you know. And uh, so I went down and talked to the coach and kind of told her my thing. And she's like, well, you know, tryouts are in a few weeks. You're welcome to try on to be a walk on if you want. And I did. And then I eventually like um, kind of took on a, a heavy share of like leading the defensive team and everything like that. And uh, and it was really fun. And I, I really liked lacrosse. It was it was dope. And um, I, I definitely. That's so fun. Uh, yeah, it was super fun. And, that was in California. Yeah, this was at San Diego State. Okay. And, um, See, we don't have lacrosse in the South. So I don't really like I obviously know what the sport is, but I don't actually know the sport. But I've seen it like on TV and movies all growing up. And I always thought it was so cool. But I, I do know that it's coming up in like clubs for youth around here now. Um, my boyfriend, Mark, actually has a client, like a 15-year-old lacrosse player uh, for strength and conditioning training. But when I was growing up, it was not here. Like, we didn't have it. Yeah, it's it, it's always been in, like an East Coast thing, like a New England thing. And then for whatever reason, right. it kind of seeded on the West Coast maybe like five years before I got into college. So it's still like on the come up over there. Um, Probably I had heard, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I want to believe that it's accurate. I had heard that it used to be like an indigenous Native American sport, and I think I believe that that's true. But then, like the where it gets into urban legend is that I heard that some of the tribes that were a bit more malicious to settlers, which they should have been, um, that's they're right, you know, obviously. But like they, yeah. they would behead the settlers and they would play lacrosse with the head. Is what I had heard. Wow. In the forest, and I originally I heard that the I game really was really love that. Yeah, lo no, literally love it. Like for real, Deserved. like absolutely yeah. love it. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, the, I heard that the there wasn't like a, a delineated field. It was kind of like they would just play through the forest and they would like whip rocks back and forth and stuff. And it was like a very dynamic, super athletic game. 
Um, and then, you know, and again, I don't know if this is urban legend. I haven't actually yeah, yeah. noped it or anything, but uh, I had heard that on the wind that like, oh yeah, like some of the like tribes that kind of got into scuffles, they would behead the settlers and they would use the heads as kind of like a, like, a, oh, we got you. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm what like, a fun, maybe background on this. Yeah. Sport. Maybe yeah. like factor fiction, dope either way. Love telling the story. And I will swear that it's fact till the day I die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. going to go with it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> No point in looking it up. That's yeah. the story. No, That's I'm, the story. Listen, trust me, I'm a scientist. This is <laughs> <laughs> a research scientist at that. I Amen. research things for you. I get paid to do this. Okay, it is. A- <laughs> don't look it up. You don't need to. You don't need to Google it right now, listeners. Just trust me. <laughs> We're confirming it. <laughs> Confirmed. That's here. amazing. <laughs> so before uh, we had Leah come on the show. I asked her what her sign is, her astrological sign, and what her Enneagram is, because you guys know we love both of those topics on here. So we're gonna we're gonna let Brittany school us because oh, Leah is well, Leah's a Sagittarius, which I actually know nothing about Sagittarius, and Leah doesn't either. So Brittany's gonna let us know. And then Leah's also a three, which we do talk a lot about threes on here, obviously because of myself. But Brittany can maybe give Leah a quick rundown of what that means and maybe maybe it'll help you understand why you've stayed in school your whole life probably very probably <laughs> i was also my my two three split was pretty even it was like right, 86, yeah. 88 and i don't know if that's typical okay. for the test where you you have two that are dominant but so the tests are only 80 percent accurate it's since it's all based on motivation it's really hard to get like a hundred percent accurate score but just going off of everything you've talked about all the work that you put in you even said something about trying to balance like that work life you're trying to get used to that that is like archetypal three because Leah we're we're talking about the same (laughs) thing with her daily habits and all of that trying to balance that is like is very important for a three the the like I said earlier threes are the you know the hard workers like very goal oriented but then also put that with your with your sign, your Sagittarius, you know, you're super dedicated to your passions, no matter what it is, like you will, nothing can get in your way. Um, super honest. I once heard someone describe women Sagittarius's as a vagabond soul, which I love. So listeners, if you don't know what a vagabond is, it's like a, you know, person, it's kind of like a nomad of someone that wanders like a traveler. from place to place. Yeah. So your soul is constantly like on the move of like, all right, what can I achieve next? What can I do for, you know, and especially being a strong too. So you can pull from the numbers next to you. So you can pull from twos and you can pull from fours. And so that I think your two is strong in the sense of you want to help people. You want to make the biggest impact with your research in order to, you know, push the world in a new direction, in a better direction. Um, so I think that it's, you're great. And we're, we're we just That's love so great. you here. I mean, so, first like- of all, my, my coming on this podcast, I've learned that my last name is quite exotic and now I'm a vagabond. Like my, yes. I am so gassed up right now. Like you have no idea. Yes. That's, that's what we do on this show. Oh we God. actually only invite people that we love and we want to hype them up. To just, yeah, I'm not like, I'm in the closet right now, listeners to remind you, I'm not going to check out because my head is going to be so inflated. <laughs> Can't fit through the closet door. Yeah, I'm literally gonna have to. You know what? They're gonna have to cut me out like my 600 pound leg. It's gonna be my 600 pound head. 
And I'm just going to have to drag it on the ground to get out. <laughs> you know what, though? I think that people, and I know Brittany agrees, and Leah, honestly, I know that you feel the same way, too. I think that people need to be hyped up more, and I think that people need to have other people tell them why they're so great and why they're successful at the things that they do. Because it's like what you said at the very beginning when I introduced you that you know yourself, you know all of your accomplishments and what you've done, but sometimes you do just need other people to be like, no, you are a badass bitch. You need to stop downplaying what you've done because it's cool as fuck and I've never done it. Yep. So like pat yourself on the back, dude. At, at risk of sounding like, oh, cool, you're going to just jump on the woke train now, 35-year-old girl. Like, I think that it's very, very important for women. Um, you know, I, I come from I come from a background wherein like science is super immersed in men. Like mm-hmm. 30, right. only 30% of researchers in the world are female by and large, the the vast minority. So all of my mentors and everything up until actually uh, jumping into oncology, the director of my cancer center, my direct boss, she's a female and she's amazing. Um, but they've all been men, you know? And so I, I'm a tomboy and I tend like my, my whole circle of friends is more or less men, but I'm finding as I get older that tapping into just that female energy and that female support is so important, especially for women who are ambitious, because there are things yeah. about being a woman, being a driven woman, being a, a female entrepreneur, all these things that men don't understand. There's a certain, and there is a disparity between genders when it comes to achieving certain things. Women are expected to be like, oh, you've got to be beautiful. Like, don't be saggy. Also, you like provide, provide paper, bring home the bread, but also take care of kids, but also take care of your man. And it, it, you know, it's crazy. And, And be it like socially constructed and deeply ingrained in our society as it is, having that female energy to, to like come to literally has really changed the game for me. This is the first time I've ever had a female mentor and I'm like, she's, she's absolutely incredible. I fucking love her. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, like there's just a, there's a different vibe. There's a different empathy. There's a different ability to emote woman to woman. And you know, I'm always like the first person to be like, you get it girl. Like I love seeing women excel. I love it so much. Um, and you know, I, I'm appreciating that now being older. I never thought it was necessary. I'm like, ah, I support support, but really like, Men, if you're listening, no shade. Like, we love you. We love your, you know, we love you. But, like, women, if you're out there and you feel some kind of way, there's this weird, like, ingrained, kind of toxic, pervasive idea that women have to be adversarial and that women have to, you know, we have to fight for men. We have to fight for your job. Like, no, you don't have to fight. Like, if you bolster each other up, if one, if one of us wins, we all win. We're all going through we the same win. kind of disparity in society, the same struggles, but in different ways different things are contributing race, et cetera. But, uh, you know, like we, we all at the core are all women. And I think that it's important to band together. Absolutely. So I love this. Yeah. And I love that you guys are doing this podcast. And I was so stoked when I saw that you made it. And I was like, oh, like two of my favorite girls are like getting together and like doing the damn thing. I think it's great. <laughs> yes. It's been, and it's been so much fun. And we've been able to have people like you on here. Yeah, it's cool. We like it. We like just chit chatting about different things, you know, stuff going on in our lives, things going on in the world and in the country we like to have fun but we like to be serious a little bit too sometimes you know of course yeah it's and it's it's so important to unpack especially recently you know i think that and this is so cool like you know seeing people launch podcasts especially like this video because the 
the last podcast I did, they, we did like a little video interface too. And I'm like, wow, human interaction. How nice. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> human interaction. Like who thought, who would have known that this was something we all needed? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So it's good to see this kind of making a return. Absolutely. So with the, with the COVID vaccine coming out and all of that, what do you kind of predict like summer is going to look like? So one of the biggest barriers, well, I would say the biggest barrier ostensibly now is just the the lack of people getting actual vaccinations. There's actually, I can't, I don't know if the statistic is still true, but I know a couple of months ago, even like caregivers in the hospital, like nurses, physicians, et cetera, only like half of them had received the vaccine the last time that I had looked a couple of months ago. Um, you know, and a lot of it is uh, perpetuated by fear. Of course, it's a scary time. And the problem that I see oftentimes, because I've taken so much immunology throughout the course of my um, education at various institutions, and um, sorry, my dog's barking, listeners, I'm sorry, I have a puppy, he's 13 weeks old and a terrorist in my house. Yeah. Um, we love dogs we love here, puppies. yes. Love him, but honestly, if anybody's looking to adopt, we'll give him to you. <laughs> Especially tonight, when he's like, when he's loving, I'll keep him. But tonight, when he's barking during my podcast, um, yes. you know, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to just send him on his way. I'm like, go go play on the freeway, buddy. Just go. <laughs> um, no, so really, the the biggest. So I have these big scary pit bulls, but the one thing they do not like is to get slightly wet on the face. So I have a little squirt gun. You no. you can do you can scream at these pit bulls. You can do anything, and they're like, nah, whatever. You know, like they're built like little tanks. Water. If you get them slightly moist, it it destroys <laughs> them on this emotional level. They look at you like, no. like how dare you? Oh yeah, <laughs> like they go and they'll hide and they'll pout until I come and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I have to apologize to them for getting them right. slightly wet with a small squirt gun. Ridiculous. Even though the reason why you did it was to discipline them. Yeah, but then and then I'm like, great, this is counterintuitive now because you won't come eat dinner because you're now chronically depressed because <laughs> I squirted you slightly with a tiny squirt gun from Amazon. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I give so up. Funny. I'm a bad parent. <laughs> Dogs are so no. great. Yeah. Um, so... COVID vaccine, the, the biggest barrier right now to herd immunity is really just how many people have the capacity to make antibodies in the population, right? The way that viruses work is that they are not actually, and for many people listening, they may not know this, viruses are not classified as living organisms. They can't replicate on their own. They don't make their own energy. They don't really do anything apart from just make other copies of themselves, but they can't do it uh, without you. So they are obligate intracellular parasites. They utilize your machinery to survive. That's all they are. They're just genetic information inside of a little bubble. That's it. There's no like little organelles. There's nothing like that. Some viruses have things to help with that like genetic reading. But for the most part, they use all of your own stuff. So what happens is when you do like a really successful vaccine program, one of the things I like to use as an example is smallpox. Smallpox took out millions of people back when it was in its its height. And, you know, it, it, it destroyed economies. It took out human life on a, a grand scale. Smallpox we have wiped from the face of the earth. It only exists in two places, and that's test tubes in Russia and the U.S. 
and only two labs on the face of the earth. Otherwise, it does not exist in the wild. And that is because of effective vaccine vaccine protocols. Um, because basically what you do when you vaccinate, you force the body to produce antibodies. So when you do become exposed to the virus, it's not that you're not going to get exposed. It's not that the virus suddenly is like, oh, I can't enter that body. Like, it's not like you're, you wear a bubble. The virus will enter your body. But when you have antibodies, your immune system flags it immediately. It doesn't have to go through the process of being like, what's this, George? I don't know. Maybe we should launch an immune response. You know, it's very slow when you first get exposed to something, which is why you get sick. You get sick and that's your body causing symptoms because it sees something weird. And it's like, all right, well, we're just going to make a bunch of snot, try to clear out the sinuses of whatever this is. It's just your body purging things. Um, and so when you get vaccinated and you have these antibodies, the virus will enter your body still. That's not a question. It's your, your body will then immediately recognize it and knock it out so that it won't cause infection. And for COVID, something that is uh, spread by respiratory droplet, like COVID, influenza, stuff like that, when you are vaccinated, even if you become infected, your symptomatology is much less. So if you're not sneezing and making respiratory droplets, which is the way it's spread, then you have a much lesser chance of spreading it to other people. So that kind of like quells it. So herd immunity is really achieved when you have a high level of people in the population who have antibodies. Now that can be through the vaccine or direct exposure, you know, so insofar as what some are going to look like, I think the things are starting to open up with guarded optimism. Um, a lot of people on here who don't know I'm dating a musician and they, for the first time in what will be a year and a half have started booking festivals, little one-off weekends. Oh. Yeah. So they, their first, uh, oh, their yeah. first festivals in July and then they have another one in September. Hey, you can, you can name drop him. Oh, we can name drop him. It's okay. It's Aaron Patrick. Drop- He's the super <laughs> handsome one in All That Remains. He plays bass. Okay. He slaps the bass. Got <laughs> 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 um, any All That Remains fans here? Yeah, it's no big deal. Hashtag Metal Girlfriend. Yeah, you know, it's no big deal. Like, what I, sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, I'm just this little dork. And like that that's a whole funny story, like how we met and how I ended up like snagging him off the market is he reached out to me about <laughs> 60 seconds of science. He's like, this is really sick. And he because has, it I, is sick. Yeah, it, it was like, sick. this is so dope. And and then I we just started talking. We talked every day for hours and all these women just fawn over men fawn over him wherever he goes. I'm like, guys, just get a room. Like I get it. <laughs> I, I get it, guys. Men love him. Everybody loves him. And, uh, and I swooped him up because of the science, like, and I didn't realize that women are out here, you know, you, you girls out here sending like real raunchy photos. Do you know what? I didn't know I was up against that. I was literally <laughs> spitting, Hey, do you want to learn about the new celestial body they just discovered in the next galaxy? And he loved it. He Heck fucking yeah. loved it. Heck I don't know yeah, if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. He fucking loved yeah, it, guys. You Earmuffs for our younger listeners. He loved it. That's what got him. Like, he had all these little, like, hussies, like, oh, yeah, like, let me show you this, like, this little nip slip. And I was like, yeah, so they just found a new bacterium in the bottom of the fucking ocean. And he, <laughs> poor bastard, ate it I up. And actually, that. I'm also writing a book, shameless plug. I'm writing a book, but uh, the book no, is dedicated it. to Aaron um, because he was, he, literally for hours at a time asks me science like every day we've been dating now for almost a year and every day he he has questions for me about science and he and he sits there and he listens and then I hear him like I'll be at the gym with him or something and like somebody will come over and ask him a question and he'll he'll like regurgitate what I've told him like many months ago and I'm like that's my star pupil over there (laughs) we we love a man who asks questions and we love a man who pays attention 
Yeah. Take yeah. notes, listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Men out there, literally, like if you if you are seeing a girl, trust me, she's talking to probably a bunch of guys that just don't care what she says. So the make or break is gonna be be engaged. If you care. That you're in, engaged with what we're doing. Like I'm sick. Like I yeah. I like that you just heard what I said, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like I get we're That's pretty, but like stop staring for like a minute. Like just earmuffs on the yeah. eyes and just listen. <laughs> Um, That's so COVID. Oh, so yeah. So it's for summer. <laughs> I always like I deviate hard, but I'll always circle back. Uh, so COVID. Uh, yeah. So, too, so knowing that, like, they are opening up uh, concerts beginning like late summer. There's probably going to be some sanctions. Like, I know now EDM festivals are actually have been playing in South yeah, Florida. I saw that. But they have these like funny taped off circles they're like you're in circle 4a and it's just like one dude with one glow stick in a circle that's like 10 feet away from the next circle and it's not as like it's not as like throbbing and like popping (laughs) where's my introvert no no the other kyle like you're yelling at each other i mean it's crazy but i'm so happy you know that's that industry has taken such a hard hit um yeah and and, and also just um you know, people use music as a form of escapism and, and live shows. And it, it not only connects you to the music, but it kind of connects you to your peers. And it's this like collective experience. Um, and if yeah. it's something like that, it's tragic. It's the first thing to go in a, in a situation where it's needed the most, right? Like during something as stressful as COVID and people losing jobs and losing homes. And the one thing that I think most of us can say is at some hard point in our lives or there was a nasty breakup and we were like, I'm going to listen to Adele or, you know, whatever, <laughs> like we've all been there and emoted through it. And so I'm, I'm really glad that it's coming back. It employs so many people as well, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like grips and texts and people who just tune uh-huh. guitars for a living and what, I mean, it's, it, it's so pervasive. Um, but, but yeah, so hopefully the, that's a good sign. You know, the more we vaccinate, the more that education goes out point of education, people were really concerned about Johnson and Johnson's recall. Um, mm-hmm. so Johnson and Johnson, there was a, an incidence of, uh, all women, younger women that had, um, that had ex- exhibited and developed blood clots in areas that, uh, where like brain fluid drains. And, um, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, see, I told you not to get the vaccine. That's not safe. But what mm-hmm. people feel to realize is that it was six cases out of 1.7 million vaccines. That's literally like a one one seven thousandth of a percent um and you know you get worse side effects from eating like romaine lettuce at the store like you have a, a way yeah. harder chance of getting like nasty e coli for days eating romaine like right. out of the grocery store than you would of this and and johnson and johnson was really responsible even though it was such a tiny fraction of a percent they stopped the administration right so they're losing money on it which you know that's great awesome thank you for taking a hit for the sake of safety and uh they're, mm-hmm. they assembled a panel of outside experts to say all right these these women there's a consistency here there is a, a pattern it's young women what are the risk factors? And that's kind of what I do. What are the risk factors associated with what happened here? You do a lot of math. It's very terrible. A lot of equations and uh, you beautiful mind it. And then you're like, oh, it was BMI. It was smoking status. It was being Latina. You know, there's some very strange sometimes like genetic related stuff having to do with certain ethnic groups or, you know, just BMI in general, things like that. So, so that's my long tangent about COVID. (laughs) So get your, yeah, no, that was so great. And you know, you know what I was thinking of when you were saying that, and I think what has got to be the most infuriating part of all of that is that statistic for the vaccine, people are losing their shit over. 
But those are the same people that are saying, oh, well, less people have died from COVID than what die from the flu. Yeah. yeah. But we're still talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people, not six. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, is that, am I making sense what I'm saying? No, like, of why course. That's of course. People love okay. to pick and choose statistics that represent yeah. their argument. Um, yes. You know, and like, and it's, it's unfortunate because suddenly what I learned during this pandemic is that everyone was an immunologist. Suddenly we had <laughs> millions of immunologists that came out of the woodworks. Right. Um, you know, and, and the thing about immunology is that it's such a complex field of study. I've taken, I can't even tell you, so many graduate immunology level courses and there's still so much to know. There's still so much that's unknown. And every little tiny chemical signal has a cascade of a, again, earmuffs listeners, fuck ton of other signal, chemical signals downstream that it affects. And it's, it's so elegant and it's uh, so complex that, you know, people are like, well, like you got to get the vaccine and then it's going to give you all kinds of space aids. And you're like, that's not what happens at all. Like you're taking such an elegant science and you're extrapolating it down to something, you know, and the, the biggest thing is correlation does not equal causation, right? Just because you see, uh, you know, whatever you're like, oh, my, my friend, he had, you know, he, he got a rash and it was like, you know, eight months after he had a vaccine and that's what caused it. And you're like, no, he probably just rolled around the grass. Like, did you ask him? You know, right. <laughs> so a lot of people are interpreting it and it's that's why why I, I do 60 seconds of science and I, I um, dedicate a lot of my personal time to science communications, why I'm writing the book, because there's so much pervasive misinformation in science. Um, and what's unfortunate is that science has really, and I get on a soapbox about this, like I'm about to get, about to get my philosophical hat on here. Um, <laughs> Do it. Science has become a field that is privileged information now, and it should not be. People who are in low, lower socioeconomic strata, things like that, they have really, really terrible science illiteracy rates. But science should be the great equalizer, right? Science is something that is pervasive in all of our lives. It is the very foundation by which we live, we breathe, we exist. Everybody has the right to understand more about the world that they live in, how biologically they fit into it. And I think that if more people had basic foundational level understanding of science, that there, there would be a lot of smashing of prejudices. There would be a lot of more just awareness of how we treat the environment around us, things like that. But um, unfortunately, that, that doesn't exist. You know, our school systems are terribly underfunded. And um, there's not good reason to study science. Science and math, it's tedious. It's not hard. It's tedious. And there's not the right yeah. teachers out there teaching it. And, you know, I have I have uh, grown adults that will ask me the most basic science questions, you know, that I'm like, you learned that in fourth grade, but I never, ever shame anybody, which is why I, I when I made 60 seconds of science, I started just lecturing. But I'm like, why lecture from the expert? When I can hear from the people, what do the people want to learn, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is. We've covered everything from deflating eyeballs to, you know, yeah. like tell us, not having tell sex us about for me. It. you know, like there's something called auto brewery syndrome. We've gone, we've run the gamut and, um, and I love it. And it's beautiful. And the problem is, is that that's on us as scientists is we're the first ones to ostracize people that don't know and to be like, mm -hmm. oh, this guy thinks he's going to get space aids from the vaccine. What an idiot. And you're like, no, that's a failing on you, buddy. You're the expert. Teach him, teach these people. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think it should be a privilege in information. I think that it's our duty as a scientific community to educate the populace and to ensure that these disparities in knowledge don't exist. It's not privileged information. Stop. It is the foundation of what we all exist in. Um, so that's why I'm always 
like, yeah, like I'm, I'll tell you about science of the day. I'll tell you about whatever. I'll tell you about all my like dinosaur models that I had <laughs> to scale the taxonomy totally. of my dinosaurs. I've always been passionate about I it. I love that. So it's, it's fun to. It's, it's great. And I think that you definitely hit the nail on the head by saying that you like to just talk to people about it. I think, and I truly believe that that's why I was always personally have always been drawn to your science because you really do just like say it in very simple terms. You don't try to get really fancy or try to impress us with how much you know, because we already know that you know more than us and you already know that you know more than us. So you don't need to prove anything further. And that's what makes 60 Seconds of Science so great. Absolutely. And I want you to tell us what it is because we've been talking about it. I want you to tell us what it is on your Instagram and then tell us the book because both are so cool. So listeners, sorry, I put the cart before the horse all the time and 60 Seconds of Science (laughs) is what it sounds like. Um, And the reason everybody's like, why 60 seconds? Like thinking that I was clever. And honestly, it's when I I was kind of late to the Instagram game. I started it like, I don't know, a few years ago, maybe a couple years ago. And uh, at the time, we didn't have like channels and reels. So the most you could upload was 60 seconds of video. I was like, all right, I guess it's going to be 60 seconds of science then. I'm not clever. This is just Instagram dictating what I can do. (laughs) So I was like, that's alliterative. It's cute, whatever. So basically... Um, 60 seconds of science is on my Instagram page and it is where all my stories, I will either throw out, Hey, what do you guys want to learn? Hit me with the topics. It is completely dictated by my following. My following is composed of friends of mine who are engineers at SpaceX all the way down to like people that are like, yeah, I dropped out of high school and became a contractor. I don't know anything about science. I have the most amazing eclectic group of followers who are so supportive and so amazing. Um, and they, they, you guys will suggest topics, new followers of mine, people who don't even follow me will like drop by and be like, oh, I want to hear about this. And I'm like, cool. Thanks for the follow. It's fine. It's fine. You know, like all the 60 seconds of science relies on your following, but it's fine. It's fine. Don't follow me. Don't worry right. about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so you said you guys suggest topics to me and it could be anything, you know, um, I always did kind of human physiology and disease cause it's interesting and people can relate to it and they're like, Oh, that's so weird. But you know, we've actually ventured into space. One of my favorite topics is like quantum physics space. and cosmology. It's so sick. Um, so <laughs> I've actually opened up questions to that. I'm like, you know what? Anything under the sun, like that is my challenge as a scientist, anything under the sun you guys want to learn about is fine. And, and I explain it in 60 seconds and it's challenging because it's actually not 60 seconds of fluid science. It is closer to 45 because I have a consistent intro and I have a consistent outro. And there's usually a shitty joke yeah. at the end. Also earmuffs listeners. <laughs> there's a shitty joke at the end. Um, so it's, it's like 45 seconds. And sometimes what I've found is that the simplest questions evoke the most elegant responses. So people will be like, for instance, how do vaccines work? Simple question, real crazy answer. I could go on for hours on an immunology lecture and give you that, but that's my challenge and my pleasure is getting to say, all right, how good am I? How good do I know this material that I can break it down in 45 seconds? And everybody assumes, and I've had, I've had people ask me this, if I'm sped up, that is the real cadence of me talking. And Sometimes it gets frustrating because I'll get through a topic and I'll, like Leah said, it's not scripted. It is one take, but sometimes it takes multiple takes and sometimes I'll get to the very end. I'm like, I nailed it. And then my outro will get scrambled and I'm like, no, no. no. I'll get to the end and like <laughs> my dog will fart and I'm like, God, they can hear it. What's happening? Uh. So, um, I, you know, um, 
the book that I'm writing right now, I am so fortunate because writing books I found is really crazy. There's two routes. There's independent route where you can do all your stuff. You're responsible for printing. You're responsible for marketing. You do it on your own and you push it to Amazon. If you know someone in Barnes and Noble, it's probably hectic and crazy, but, um, super cool. And then like the internet has allowed for self-publishing. And then there's the traditional route where you get an agent and then you go pitch to publishing houses and then they take on the rights of your work. And then, you know, it's easier to break into bookstores or whatever, but it's a very long process. You can self-publish in like a month. The process of traditional is very, very long, but because that's my, this is my first rodeo. I wanted to pursue that. And I'm very fortunate where I got picked up by an agent pretty instantaneously. She works at, her name's Renee Fountain. Renee, if you're listening to this, I love you. I promise I'm not saying anything crazy. She (laughs) works up in New York for Gandolfo, Helen and Fountain, and it's a whole literary management team. And she read it and I I wrote out this proposal and I wrote several uh, sections of this book and it's almost an adaptation of 60 Seconds of Science. So it's, it's, again, it is completely dictated by, by the reader. Um, and it's, it's kind of the same vein, but I'm fully illustrating it in crayon because science should be yes. simple and childlike, but it is for adults. I'm fully illustrating it. Uh, all the entries have an illustration and I got lucky enough that this agent, um, which is a funny story on, on how I actually got this agent because I did everything you're not supposed to do and somehow got dumb luck enough to land one. <laughs> She's super dope. Uh, she loved it. She was like, I love it. And there's a, there's a particular illustration in there, which I can't talk a lot about cause it's still kind of in the process, but she was like, when this gets done and if it pops off, I'm getting this tattooed on me. Like she literally had the illustration that I made printed and it's hanging on her office wall. She loves it. Love I got so lucky. And like, you know, um, agency, like you want somebody, if anybody's thinking about publishing out there, maybe you have an, an odd off author out there. I know you guys have like a really broad array of followers as well. Um, and you want to go the traditional route, find an agent who's passionate about your project. Cause she, she loves it. She loves what I do. And I'm so lucky. And, um, this week we actually finished the proposal, which is 30 pages in length and it's being submitted to publishing houses everywhere. And so editors oh have a desk and now it's like one of those things you just wait for the call that like somebody will yeah. pick it up. And it's a deal. So I'm so excited. Um, and it's, it's again, another attempt because 60 seconds of science has been so successful and I have a cult following. I don't have like this massive, like you would see me, you know, on Tosh.0 because I have 3 million followers, but the following <laughs> that I have is super dedicated and, um, it's very cult-like and I love it. And I love that it's kind of small and intimate, but I was like, you know, I have an opportunity here where I can make it bigger. More people need to learn. And I get that all the time. Everybody's like, please make a YouTube channel. Please do this. Like people need to see this. I get videos all the time of like people showing their kids, my videos and their kids learning and like in little lab coats. And I love it. And so I was sitting like doing dishes one day and I was like thinking about science communication. And literally I was like, someone should write that book. And I was like, girl, I should write that book. And so I did. So I started writing and I, I love that um, I've I've used to like write blogs back in the MySpace day, so I'm really really uh, excited about it. And um, yeah, I, I hope it's well received and well loved. And there's some pretty big names on the editor list that she sent stuff to. I was like, oh my god, like those are like editors like in New York, like with big shiny board tables that are gonna be yes. like you know with big budgets that publish like Neil deGrasse Tyson and like all these huge people in nonfiction. And I'm like, oh my gosh, so. I'm, I'm really excited. It's a wild ride, but I already have another book in the works as well in addition to it. So Yeah, you do. I'm so excited for you <laughs> for the book. I'm so excited for the book. Me too. Yeah. 60 Seconds of Science really is really, really cool. We're going to put all of Leah's information in the description box, but you guys really need to go check out those videos. <laughs> 
you'll notice like once you see one, you'll notice what that still frame is on her profile for like what 60 seconds of science Thank is. So you, you can I did just, that like, intentionally so you can find yeah, it. So uh, yeah. No, it's amazing because you really can like you can just go on Leah's page and on her grid, like you'll know which ones are 60 seconds of science. And she always, you know, puts the title so you can see if it's one that you're going to be interested in or not. But I always think they're all cool it's always fun like you know to because i'm just like i'm just like i'm just a dude i just it's something that i wanted to do and i didn't even know it was going to pop off and i had some like random hits here and there where like people would share it and you know you get like a massive influx of people but um it's so funny because it's one of those things where i'll get a new follower and it'll be like so and so or it'll, it'll, it'll be like this cascade, you know, you can kind of see like the history of who interacts with your content and like, you can get the timeline and get the narrative. It'll be like, so-and-so liked this p- post. So-and-so liked this post. And it's all like 60 seconds of science backlog. And all then it'll be like, them. so-and-so followed you. And I'm like, yes, got him. <laughs> you just like went through like a deep binge of 60 seconds of science. And they're like, okay, I got to give her a follow. Now. I'm like, gotcha. I gotcha. You're part of the family now. So yeah, it's been, it's been real wild. And actually the, 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 the serendipity of like going back to the beginning of the the podcast here. I always love that when you can like bring it back. Um, we mentioned that I was on the Titan games season two combine. Yeah. Um, there's actually footage of me like walking. I'm, I was on NBC for a little bit. I didn't make it past the combine, but, but I was picked up for that because of 60 seconds of science. Uh, really? Yeah. A casting producer found it and he was like, this is sick and weird. And I feel like the production team would love it. So um, there were like thousands of people that applied and they only selected 30 men and 30 women to go to combine. So I was super lucky to get flown out for that. And then I can talk about it now because it was never picked up, but I was reached out to by a production company who was working with A&E and they were doing this whole medical mysteries show. Um, and it's on Netflix now. Uh, basically I was casted with several other archetypal people. There was like the professor, like the esteemed white haired professor. And then there was a guy who, um, I think practiced medicine, but it was a bit more Eastern medicine influenced and, um, he was blind. So he did a lot of his diagnoses through like touch and, and he, all of his other senses were so heightened. So he did a lot of like auscultation and listening and he did a lot of touch and things like that for diagnosis and very accurately um and then i my archetype was like the young up-and-comer in research you know like obviously and you know the the whole thing was crowdsourcing medicine so it was people with these these ailments that they just could not get diagnosed they've been going on for years they were either born with it or whatever and like nobody had any answers and so this was an attempt to take real cases split it up amongst us see what we could do and then crowdsource it to like the internet or whatever and see if like collectively the the powers of human minds combined could come up with something and it was so sick and they found me because of 60 seconds of science and then as Hollywood does, they take you through this long process. They're like, you're casted. Here's the promo shots. You're our girl. And then silence. And you're like, cool. I don't know what's happening. And they're like, yeah, we're going to film. It's going to be like 12 weeks. Dope. Didn't hear anything from anybody. And then I was on Netflix one day and that exact same premise, exact mm-hmm. crowdsourcing, medical mysteries, it was picked up by a singular lady who decided she wanted uh-huh. to fund it herself and then run it herself. So she hosts it. And I think it's actually called like medical mysteries or something. It's on Netflix. Oh, and I wow. remember, yeah. And I remember being like, and I can talk about it now, you know, I didn't sign any contracts or anything, yeah. but I remember being like, that's the premise. And they were looking for, um, the last I had spoken to one of the production managers, they were about to pitch it like the final pitch to A&E to be like, will you fund this? Will you put it on your channel? And it must not have gone well because some, they took it and they took yeah. it to Netflix and some like lady with a lot of money decided I'll bankroll it myself and I'll host it myself. Wow. Scrapped us. She was like, we don't need these idiots. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So it, it's been weird, like having um, having that, like you, you don't realize, I think, how many people actually come across 
content because, you know, my following is not huge. It's less than 10,000. But when I had to do my analytics for my pitch proposal, I used Instagram and I was like, all right, well, let's see how many people interacted with my page through like during the, the month of December. And it was like a quarter of a million people. And I was like, what? that's great. I was like for a month and I thought it was wrong and it was broken. So I kept like refreshing it. And then I went like historically and I was like, does this make sense? And I was like, I guess it does, but it's, it's crazy. Like how many people have eyes on the things you do, which is both yeah. beneficial and dangerous kids. If you're out there listening, the internet's forever. Okay. Don't yes. be, don't be messing around True. on the internet. Somebody will pull some stuff up from antiquity. You didn't think anybody was listening, but we saw that. We saw you putting SpaghettiOs in your butt or whatever you were doing out there on a viral video. And that lasts forever. That will come back to haunt you. College. We saw you. We saw you. College interviewers will see that. And they'll ask if you're the SpaghettiO butt guy. You don't want that on your resume. No, let's avoid that. So, so yeah. So, it's been it's been a wild ride. And, like, being a, being a content creator, that's been super weird. Everybody talks about it, but I used to get like so many views on those videos. And now, you know, everybody's like, like scratching the barrel for like, Hey, I'm still here. Go for creating content. It's wild. It's so crazy. I don't know what happened. Dude, we talk about that on here a lot, like about Instagram and stuff and how it can be really great, but still equally as exhausting. Exhausting. Um, I think people, they're like, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to be an influencer. And you're like, yo, it's a full-time job. Like it's, and it takes a lot of like marketing savvy. And so it's not just like you post, like you, you gotta be on your game. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's wild. I actually parsed down. That was one of the first things my agent told me. She was like, Kate, like love your content, but like, what is your thing? You don't have a thing. You've got little (laughs) videos, you've got your dogs. I'm trying to look for 60 seconds. She's this crazy New York lady covered in tattoos. You got all this stuff. I got to like sift through six. No, 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 honey, honey. You're going to take all this other stuff down. You're going to make another page and it's going to have all the other stuff, the lifting, whatever, have people come follow you there. I just want to see science. And I was like, okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's, it it's, is, it's that is a really good point though, especially for producing a book um, yeah. because you will have so many other people find you that they're only going to want you for science. Of course, of course. So I'm now yeah. like, well, I can show you my rock collection, guys. Like, <laughs> it's so great, though, Leah. I am so fucking happy that you came on here and spoke to us. Oh, you guys, um, it's an honor. It really is. Thank you for asking me. It's been so great, Brittany. I don't know if you had any other questions, anything that we didn't hit, anything you wanted to bring up. You know, this is maybe unrelated to everything we've been talking about, but one of my favorite movies, my favorite movie actually, is Interstellar. Oh, and I wanted to know. Ah! So Leah thinks it's the most anxiety-inducing movie in the world, but I just love it. Would you say like the science in it is accurate? One hundred percent accurate. The cra- so the crazy thing, accurate insofar as what we know, because there's a lot of theoretical yeah. physics in there. L- look at me. Look, you guys can't see. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. This is. <laughs> freaking nerd I am I'm like oh it's so accurate the science like I'm, I'm super embarrassed right now so yeah so a lot of the theoretical physics like and and talking about um for instance like time dilation is a big thing they're like oh if we're here near this black hole like 40 years have passed on earth for you know however many 15 minutes we're here that's an actual principle um it's called time dilation and the faster you travel toward and you get towards the speed of light the slower time occurs around you Mm -hmm. this is something that we definitely don't have time in the podcast to talk about but um i should probably (laughs) add time dilation to six if i can 
if I can yes. pull time dilation off in 60 seconds, oh my God, I'm retiring. Like that's, like, that would be Write crazy. that one down. That's for yes. your, that's like your ultimate 60 seconds bonus. Of science, time dilation. We're yeah. doing it. I also have, I want you to know, Leah, I have not forgotten about your question. Why is it when couples are together long enough, they start to look the same? Yes. <laughs> okay. You guys. All right. Listen. So Leah had recently, like she said, she put up a question box on her Instagram story and she's like, all right, all the submissions you can think of. And I remember I submitted a few. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is, yeah. Or I, that one, I don't think I submit, I think that was a TikTok, right? That I sent you or I tagged you and I, I was like, so. Why yeah. And you were like, what is this? Leah? <laughs> I think you like, actually, and, like, anyway, I don't think either. Asked, of us, that's how much you wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think either has finished the thought. The question was, why is it that sometimes when couples have been together for a really long time that they start to look like each other? Yeah. Yeah. And there, like has, to be, there has to be like weird. a physiologic principle. And fun fact, that question may or may not be in the book. So yes. <laughs> you yes. made it to the big league. I made it. <laughs> yeah. And there has to be, it's funny because I actually have not, that's one of the, the, the crazy thing I'm um, just like, just for, for the sake of anybody listening again, if you have any one-off authors that are thinking of publishing, when you do fiction and you're like, cool, I want to, I want to pitch this like vampire beach fantasy novel for teens, whatever you want to do in the fiction world, you have to have a full manuscript. Like you got to have that book. You give that book to the agent she vets it. And then she gives the full book. When you publish nonfiction, you give them a proposal. You haven't even written it yet. So you give them the, this is what I want to do. You give them a couple of samples. So you'd be like, this is going to be my intro. This is like a sample chapter, a sample section. Um, so for me, I've, I've only written a, a percentage of the actual book itself. I have all the contents laid out. I know exactly what right. I'm doing. That's in the proposal. Every single thing that's going to be in there is already set up. I just have to like go through and actually do it and illustrate it. Um, but that's one of the ones that's in there is uh, why is it that couples begin to look alike when they've been around each other for long enough? <laughs> I am so happy about that. Yeah. Love it. So I do, I have two other questions for you. These are fun, non-science questions. All right. Oh, well, I'm and out. Then, <laughs> 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 these are, these are two questions. We have three questions that we ask all of our guests, but we just stick to two of them. And so I'm going to ask you both of them. The first one is going to let us know your mental stability. When, <laughs> oh, when you are putting your, <laughs> you'll understand why once I say it. Okay. When you're putting your shoes and socks on to leave your house, do you go sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or do you do sock, shoe, sock, shoe? First of all, who goes sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Thank you. That's all we needed okay. to know. Like, That's all we needed to know. I mean, there know. has to be a physiologic, like pathologic reason for the sock shoe, sock shoe. That's there has to be. That has to do with like frontal lobe inactivity and like serial killer <laughs> tendencies. There you go. One hundred percent. If making a murderer doesn't a have scientist. the way in which he puts on his shoes and it's like that, I'm done. Like that's not accurate, right? Who does that? No one we've met so far. Okay. Thank God. Oh, thank- well, at least yeah. you know semi-stable people. So the other one, just because everyone has a different answer to this one, is what is your preferred pizza crust? Do you like thin, thick, hand-tossed, deep dish? Mm. Like what is your go-to when you're craving pizza? Um, okay, if I'm going ignorant pizza, if we're going ignorant, yes, uh, yes. Giordano's deep dish pizza is – I have that. Oh, it's ignorant. It's so good. 
it like I've had that the cheese pull and just the the ever and just the oh uh, and you just you just sit there and you just you're you're covered from the eyebrows down in pizza there's no <laughs> delicate way to eat that pizza no phenomenal. there's not phenomenal if I'm just going like standard pie you know what I mean nothing fancy I, I like a bit of a fluffy crust you know what I mean like okay. if I'm not trying to be carb conscious you know what I mean like I'll, right. I'll, I'll hit up a fluffy crust for sure a lot of people okay. you know they they stand behind the stuffed crust but I don't think I've ever had a stuffed crust good enough where I'm like it merits the cheese it's like a little it's like they put three little sprinkles in there and they're like yeah hey, it's a stuffed crust you're like no that's three shreds of cheese that's just like I need a fucking string cheese in there yeah like I wanted like, to I yeah. want it to be another pizza inside the crust. Yes. I want it to reveal a whole nother large pie. Like, don't yes. give me this, oh, like one shred made it in there by accident. So we just called it stuffed crust. Absolutely totally. not. That's false advertising. Absolutely not. That's my new answer, you guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like, what about you guys? Like, what's your crust preference? This is important information. So we're, a thin yeah, crust. we're both different. I like thick. She likes them thin. So what most people have said thick, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. So another one for team thick. Team thick <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm a thin crust gal, but that's because, and you kind of said it, it's because I like to eat more of the pizza. Yeah, of course. Of co- oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I, and I mean, I don't like, like, I mess heavily with all pizzas. You know, there's not, I'm not like a, oh, you know, it's going to taste I'm just going to pass. Like, no, I... I'm, I'm here for, I'm gonna for eat a pizza it. moment at any, any I'm going to eat it. Anything, whatever. <laughs> all comer. So, yeah, I can – and I think it depends. Like, some flatbreads and, like, thin crusts are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The you crunch. Know, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, like, I and, – and, you know, a lot of people want to be, like, like pizza – like pizza snooty and be like real pizza has mozzarella and pepperoni only or whatever. I'm like, no, cause I've had some dope ones that are like goat cheese and fig jam. And that was yeah. delicious. Come yes. at me pizza bros. Because yes. that is yes. delicious. Okay. I'm with you. Team pineapple. Yay. Nay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Okay. Rational people. I'm glad that the people I surround myself with are rational. At, at any Brittany won't necessarily order it. Yeah, I won't go out of my way for it. it. But I'll She'll it. eat it. Though. Yeah, like it's it's something I think to be like I'll order. Yeah. Oh, hey, like, yeah, I might I might order. It. I have to be reminded that it's an option. Yeah. You know, like it's not okay. something that's at the forefront of my mind where I'm like, if I want pizza, I'm gonna get like a pepperoni pineapple. If I'm reminded, like if I'm scrolling through Uber Eats and I see it as a topping, I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> okay. yeah, I'll, I'll hit it up. That's fine. I'll do a cursory pineapple. I won't tell anybody about it, but yeah. Uh, Basically, it's like that, like. That ex you call when you're recently single, you're like, I'm not going to tell anybody I did that, but like, I'll take it off the menu. You know? <laughs> like, no one needs to know that I ordered that. That was, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Amen. <laughs> She's like, we're not going to tell anyone I did that. <laughs> I'm not going to post stories about it, certainly, but like, yeah, if it's there, of course. <laughs> like, it's there. Oh so my I'll God. <laughs> That was so good. <laughs> Brittany, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, I'll eat any pizza put in front of me. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's be real. Pizza's amazing. Let's be real. Pizza's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The get over it. Pizza's amazing. We know it. We know it. What are you proving? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and you know what? With that, you guys, you know the vibes. This is another episode, and we are so happy to be here. We're so happy that you guys are here. As always, please make sure that you are subscribing or leaving us a review. Five stars only. Follow us on Instagram. All of Leah's information will be in the box, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. 